welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name's Matt Lees and I'm joined, as usually, by Quentin Smith. Hello, Matt. And a uh, guest, Keza McDonald. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Keza? I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm still very jet-lagged from mm, Game Developers Conference. Yeah, I've been really wiped out this week. Oh, I've, me too. I've, I've been basically waking up at 4.30 and then going to sleep at about midday, and that's me. Done. I had a nap on Matt's sofa four hours ago. He did. Which made it seem like I was like a fireman or a sort of... Uh, a vagrant? A vagrant, yeah, an exciting job, but actually we were just making videos about games yeah. and recording Let's Plays. It's fine. It was like being back at GDC and sharing a hotel uh, hotel room of having to say to you, like, Gwen, it's time to get up now. We need to do work. But and I would say, I'm not getting up. Yeah. I'm not getting up. You go up without me. <laughs> Kaza, how was your GDC? It was very good. I had a very chill time. It was very nice. That's good. And uh, I met a bunch of cool people who I like, which is good. And uh, we got a really good scoop out of it on Kotaku, which is that which I scoop? was I was standing behind some developers in line, and they were like, "Yeah, dude, has Sony showed you the PlayStation four point five yet?" And I was like, "That's the thing." Interesting. <laughs> Thing. There were so many people having conversations in front of people, and I mean, I don't report news, so I didn't really care about it. But it was just like, so many things have just been like having people just candidly having conversations in front of me that I'm standing there going, "I don't think yeah. you should be saying this." The thing is, you can't report that just off a conversation. No, but what you can do is listen to that and then and then follow them and then go to all of your sources. <laughs> but then go to all your sources and be like, "So I've heard this. Is this a thing?" And then eventually you end up with somebody a cool cracks. Story. Eventually somebody cracks. Oh, but then yeah. you get to do the cool. cool well, I say cool journalist thing. I'm sure some cool of our scoops. listeners won't think this is cool. But you hear the word PlayStation 4.5, and you just go up to someone and go, "Hey." So what do you know about the PlayStation 4.5? Because oh. I know a lot. Yeah, and then yeah, they're yeah. like, well, I know this. You and drop then, your info. Yeah. They give you more info. It's like monkey bars of yeah. truth. But it's, it's funny that the way, it kind of illustrates the way that kind of real, like hard news journalism works. Essentially, you hear something and then if you're a good journalist and not an idiot, you then have to corroborate it with people who are mm. trustworthy. And that's the fun bit. Yeah. The fun bit isn't overhearing something. The fun bit is doing the fun finding work. The, finding the actual le- links yeah. that you need. Do, yeah. Doing the work. Like the actual work of chasing down a lead. I still love it so much. I'm doing this forever. I yeah, I've never done that. And I think I would probably like it as well. But what hey. was the... Uh, oh, God. Was it was it Gorka who discovered that there was like a secret exit of a New York hotel and then had the most awesome uh, heist-like uh, piece of journalism of just trying to locate the secret subterranean celebrity tunnels beneath this hotel? Oh, so uh, cool. I don't know if that was hotel. Cool. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. sounds feasible because those things have existed in all sorts of forms for, for many years. Yes, and it was the case of them going to like every Chinese... They knew it came out of a Chinese restaurant they were going to every Chinese restaurant and trying to like bribe the people that were wow, there. Like, being like, that's awesome. Is there a See, secret tunnel under your restaurant? That's kind of what gets me excited now, because three quarters of all the writing on the internet is here's a thing that I feel, <laughs> and what you know. I, although that's all fine and good and very interesting to read a lot of the time, what I actually really enjoy writing personally is the stuff that's here's a thing I found out. Yeah, it's well, just more exciting and rarer. It lets you feel like a detective. Yeah, and like you know, you do actually have unique information, whereas your feelings on a game, however interesting and informed and thought provoking they might be, everybody has feelings on a game. Everybody has feelings, but yeah. I find that sort of thing brilliant for people like me who have lots of feelings, but don't really know much. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what's the deal. What the deal is going to be with this podcast? Uh, we're going to try and keep it tight and, and nice. Like something that's like a small like a donut, donut. like a donut. Yes, um, because it's GDC week after we're all kind of dying, uh, so <laughs> we're probably not going to do questions again. And to begin with, I think we're probably going to talk about GDC a little bit, which is probably a little bit inside baseball. But we'll talk about some games towards the end. So. Oh, I have a way to make it fun. Uh, I want to talk about our top networking experiences. Oh, this is the thing. It's is this hashtag networking? No, well, basically it's hashtag no. And by top networking, I mean mine and me and. Mine and Matt's most embarrassing sort of failures at networking. Yeah, you described this best as rolling a one at networking. Yes, I <laughs> made my networking check and rolled a one. Uh, so for my, because for, I prefer Matt's story, so I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I was hanging out with a friend of mine who said, uh, oh, the lead dev of uh, Soma is over there. And I really liked Soma. So I thought to myself, oh, maybe three pints in, two nights with very little sleep. I'm like, oh, I'll go And talk it's great. Do you see you see devs? You think, oh, they made that? You just go and say, hey, I love your work. And often they'll be like, oh, I love your thing. And then it's that's yeah. why you go yeah. there, because it's so, it fills you with joy. So I went up to this man and went, you made that. So no, sorry, I'm getting this. Number. I went, hey. And he's like, hello. And I went, you made Soma. And he said, Yes. I don't think I even introduced myself. Oh, my God. And then I thought, at this point in the conversation, I was like, now I'll ask him a really good question about the development of Soma. 
I think I was silent for slightly too long. I just stood next to him, probably smelling of beer, for just long enough long enough that he then turned to his friend and continued the conversation they were having. And I was just stood next to his shoulder. And I stood there for a while, and then I walked off. So I will... And then you walked that. home. That was I the walked point home, of, yeah. That is the even... point where you decided, I need to go home. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is not going to work out for me this night. It's, that it's is over. very awkward. Yeah. You I mean, made Soma. He did make Soma. I had a thing where I, on the last day, it was Friday. To I love fair, that. I, love I was this. really hungover. I love this and so I mean, much. It was a really hard work. The thing about GDC is it's fantastic fun, but you are just spending constant time talking to people about different things. All day and All night. day. And you then we, in the evening, we were either going out for dinner and talking to people or recording podcasts or guessing on videos. So it was pretty back-to-back. So I was wiped out. Friday afternoon, I'd just been on the GameSpot thing <laughs> with Daniel Dwyer, um, which you should check out. Um, that was a really good little podcast. How will people find that? Um, I'll link it in the description for this uh, podcast. Uh, okay. Actually, either that or somebody in the comments will say, you said you'd link it and you didn't, and then I'll link it and go, sorry. Those are comments you'll find um, coolghosts.net. Yeah, coolghosts.net. It's the website. Um, and yeah, I basically, I'd already talked to them on Twitter before I went. Um, and I'd said, oh, are you guys showing where, where are you going to be? And somebody got, oh yeah, come, come. And they'd show me on the map where they were going to be. And the weird thing was, this was the only game I was actually on the show floor to go and have a look at because I'd seen little gifts of it. And it's called, uh, I think, Farah and the Eye of Darkness. Okay. It looks really cool. It looks really cool. It's got kind of like a drafting system. It's a bit like top-down Zelda, very twee, cool music, cool animations. Anyway, I went over and I was just wiped out. And I had a quick go on it and thought, that's cool. And I had the sort of PR dude for it being like, <laughs> oh, have you played the dev's previous game? And giving me like a free Steam key for that. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a dev around. Like, I thought I just wanted to go and say, hey, um, and say, you know, I enjoyed it. And he's like, yeah, he's over there. So I just go over and just walk over and go, hey, how's it going? um, (laughs) This is, you know, the guy who obviously invited you on Twitter. Yeah, that's what I figured. I I couldn't remember exactly who it was, but I remember somebody who was involved in making a game had said, come down. And so because of that, I kind of assumed that maybe they like, they maybe knew who I was rather than just being a rando on Twitter saying, are you at GDC? Can I see your game? And yeah, I was just, in their minds, I was just a rando. And I had this really awkward thing of kind of interrupting a conversation, not meaning to. <laughs> Basically just walking over and going, hey, how's it going? And then just being like, everyone looking at me just to go, <laughs> who the fuck is this guy? And then I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, there's two ways I can take this. I could either just say, like the game, and then step away and leave. Or I can say, do you know who I am? Don't know, I'm, do you know, we talked on Twitter, don't you know? Oh, and it, no. it was this thing of being like, I can either say, I thought you knew who I was. The no, animation that accompanies no. this is Matt holding up his lanyard towards the person and going, <laughs> Matt Lees. This is my name. I'm Matt Lees. Do you know who I am? Did you do that? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was exhausted that I wasn't that stupid. <laughs> that would have been the worst thing. But there was a genuine kind of crossroads in my head of being like, do I just... Because I thought maybe, because I thought maybe they just don't know what I look like, and when I show up my thing, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, thanks for coming." But I didn't. I just, I just instead went, "Well, thanks." And then I was just some. I basically just became Captain Rando, just like <laughs> bumping into a conversation, like I'm really hungover and tired. Just going, "Hey, I like your game. I'm gonna go now." <laughs> my best, um, my best networking moment of GDC was when someone came up to me and clearly thought I was one of the other three women in games. Oh, and it's like, whenever that happens, I'm like. Dude, there are literally eight of us. Like, can you not figure? And we don't look that. No, similar. you all look quite different. Yeah, They're like different uh, like characters in a beat 'em up. <clears throat> well, to be yeah. fair, there's there's another another Scottish female games journalist with fair. glasses who I was mistaken for. But usually I would be like, usually I'd take the piss in that situation. But I was feeling quite chill for most of GDC. It was like Thursday or Friday, and I was I was pretty like just laid back. And I was just letting him talk until he realised his own mistake. Oh. <laughs> and that was really great. I was just kind of nodding and smiling until he let kind of him walk into something. his own trap. Yeah, exactly. And then I just like started just briefly talking about like Kotaku or something else until he figured. And I saw the moment that he realised that he got it wrong. And I could see him in his brain being like, "Oh my god, did she notice? She must have noticed." I talked about how much I enjoyed her book. She doesn't oh. have a book. It's the other one that has a book. <laughs> and then he uh, decided he had to go to the toilet and ran away. I did lose. Literally, my I have to go to the toilet now. Turn <laughs> yes. sprints yes. as fast as he can. <laughs> oh wow! You do you do get some people really trying very hard. To network, uh, the thing is, is, bless him. He was he was a perfectly nice guy, but yeah. it just, it just I, I I didn't have I didn't normally I would have headed them off at the pass and maybe taken the piss and then it would have been okay. But I just let him go on a bit too. I long. had one guy who came up to me because I'd swap I shouldn't do this, but I'd swap lanyards with somebody else so they could go to a different area because they wanted to check something out. And you're probably not allowed to do that, but I was really tired and I didn't think about it. Anyway, um, I he just stole went, your lanyard. Yeah, somebody stole my lanyard. Is what I'm saying. And then yeah. it was like a Indiana Jones swap. And I looked down He's and I was like, what? Like cash. But I'm not this person. <laughs> this person was like a small Canadian lady. Um, and, um, but somebody came over to me and said, oh, hey, I really love your podcast. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, 
Thank um, you, it was your podcast. And then, like, and then he came back like ten minutes later and said, "Oh, hey, I really love your podcast." And I was like, "You literally just said that to me like a minute ago." And he's like, "Yeah, but you didn't have your name. You had a different name badge on then." <laughs> so it's like, "But well, I'm not a podcast? different person." <laughs> what podcast did you think I, there was before? It was just like it's just a generic. I mean, to be fair, maybe he probably, thought you were two different people. I don't know. Maybe the other person had a really good podcast as well. Yeah, I I'm mean, gonna... it was just bizarre having somebody come and say this to me five minutes. I was like, "You've done this." That's and then there was the, that's very strange. Then there was the adorable kid who was like a journalist that was student the one that who I just liked. came up to me and said, "Oh hey, what's this?" And I was like, "Oh, we're doing a board game thing. We've got shovel sit down. We can check out some of these board games. Explain to what it is." And he's like, "Oh, you do board game stuff? That's so cool. I run, I do a board game thing as well." And then he just said, "Do you have any contacts?" <laughs> Best question. Do you have any contact? It was just like I was like, maybe. Who do you want to know? It, that is a, a dude who has learned to communicate purely from playing like Bethesda RPGs of oh walking God. up to people. Oh, I had a few of those. I would like. Do you know anything about the Grey Fox? It's the fact that people still think networking <laughs> is an activity in itself. Do you know where I can find some sailors? Exactly. It's uh, that. It's. Do you have any contacts? And it's like, why? Yes, I, I got know the, the head the, of the, game was, industries. <laughs> there was a dude that monologued at me in the bookshop. Who he was very sweet, but obviously not like. I should have gone to the enormously socially experienced. I should have left the board game lounge. Mm. The thing that was adorable he, he, about the boy who wanted uh, contact in the board game industry was, I said, "Oh well, uh, there are a bunch of board game companies." Um, and I said, "Well, the, I guess the biggest board game company in the world is Asmodee Fantasy Flight, and uh, they're based in Minnesota." And he's like, "Oh, I live in Minnesota." Oh <laughs> and I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you really like? Why, why am I here? You don't need this." Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I was monologuing. Oh, so. yeah, a dude in the bookshop just came up and just literally tapped me on the shoulder, I turned around, and he went, hello, Miss McDonald, I am, and then he launched into, like, a five-minute speech. He was very nice, actually, it's very sweet, but he literally just monologued right at me, and then at the end, he just sort of said thank you and walked away, and I was like, that wasn't an interaction. That was, a, <laughs> <laughs> that was just you speaking at me. That was somebody right? handing in a quest. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it felt like he had a script, and he just kind of recited it to people, but he, he was a very nice guy. He gave me his card and everything. Oh. Very sweet guy, but it was it was just like you sometimes meet the, the weird thing at GDC is if you're even slightly well known. Like if someone comes up to you and they know you but you don't know them. Yeah. Or the other way around, this happens to all of us very often where you go up to someone and you know who they are, but they don't know who you are. You've got that kind of awkward moment where you're like, Do they mm. know am I supposed to know you? Do you know me? The thing I still find for that is when I'm at I GDC is because you have like so many different tiers and layers of people walking around. Um, you do have a lot of the big exec bigwigs just wandering around. And I always forget because I spent so much time watching footage of them when I was doing the abridged conference. <laughs> you don't know them. I forget that I don't know them. And so I've, I have to stop myself because I'm quite personable. I have to stop myself from going, hey, how's it going? Like, and, and saying, ah, how are you doing? Because I feel like I know them because I spent so much time looking at them and learning their mannerisms and thinking about them and stuff. And I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's really weird. Um, but yeah, there was some really cool. I used cool... that technique on Jeff Keeley once. I just went up and went, "Hey man, how's it going?" Never met him. He's like, Hi, how are you? Like he, he's such a pro, that guy. He like really pretended yeah. really well that he knew me. Yeah, <laughs> it was really nice of him. And <laughs> Thanks, actually, Jeff, like, Major Nelson's very good at that as well. But to the point, it pissed me off years ago because I just I had never met Major Nelson before. And I just went, "Hey, Major, how you doing?" He's like, "Great, great to see you." And I was just like, "Ah, <laughs> you don't just know like, me. We've never met." <laughs> That is that's a that's rude. That is a honey trap of socialising. I disagree. But no, but that's only because that was at a point. It was like to me, it was like a laughable joke that I might know him because I was a nobody and I was pissed. And now you're a medium buddy. Yeah, medium level buddy, small to medium level. (laughs) My uh, actual just to move on from the sure comedy of errors. My favourite observation about GDC this year, though, while we all love it and had an amazing time, was that it was all VR this year. Oh my gosh. Everyone wants to be involved in VR somehow. It's like two years ago, it was all free-to-play monetization of mobile games, and now it's all VR. Yeah, and my partner says, probably correctly, that it is going to burst. The bubble cannot possibly In two possibly years, it will sustain. be electric finger sticks, the cool new thing. We just don't know what it is yet. Don't you dare tell anybody about my electric finger sticks. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it's not going to be big. Um, but so you've got all these VR companies, endless VR lounges and VR headsets and VR talks. VR tracks getting moved into bigger rooms because yeah. people wanted to see talks. Meanwhile, uh, San Francisco's uh, native uh, sort of and it, happily or not drug-using population that are right outside the Moscone yeah. Center. Like, like, That's what I was saying, wasn't it? Oh, I'm completely stealing this from you. Yeah, oh, this was fine, your yeah. point. Yeah. Um, that you have people wandering around who are, for want of a better term, just 
in an actual other world. Yeah. And yeah. desperately in need of care. Of, yeah, like, yeah. Of, San of Francisco's a really rough place. It's just there's a big, there's a heavy use of, uh, of hallucinogens going on there in the homeless population. And it just means this weird thing of it, all these, like, all these uh, well off middle class white dudes, like, queuing up for hours to get this experience while there's all these people having this experience outside <laughs> in, in a, possibly not a pleasant way, but everyone just ignores it. And it's just, it's just a weird you juxtaposition. Are stepping over the people in other worlds to. Yeah. It just felt very cyberpunk. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get is. into a big thing on San Francisco, but it is one of the. It skeeves me out. It's one of the yeah. scariest places because it's like it's a kind of gleaming city of money and progress, and then in the meantime, it has this proper ignored underclass of people who it are is. in desperate need of help and care. Matt's correct. It is the most cyberpunk city. Yeah. In it's the very world. dystopian in a way. And I hadn't thought about it until this year because every time I go out there, I find it very discomfort, like uncomfortable, because of the fact that you have this massive problems with poverty and mental health care, but then also next to this huge wealth. And that's I'm just right. disinterested in it. I feel like when, but then people when, said, like, was, I heard somebody say this year, like, oh, it feels weird, like, being part of this, like, tech influx. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, this is, like, I'm part of this. Like, I'm oh, here at GDC. Like, I, I haven't thought of that. But. Well, I just, I've, you know, being, being a big old Scottish socialist, I feel like if our city gets richer, then everybody's quality of life should improve. Yeah, yeah. about that. Uh, well, I think they're starting to realise that that's... I think people are starting to realise that's not, maybe not a bad idea. Anyway, today on Socialism yeah. Daily. <laughs> I thought the VR thing was, uh, was cute. I, the most laughs I got at, well, not cute in that way, obviously. It's sort of horrifying in that way I just described, but also it gave me the most laughs of the uh, of the whole convention. I loved hearing about all the growing pains of the VR industry because holy yeah. shit, they're funny. Some great little anecdotes, right? Yeah, no, two that I absolutely adored. We got one of uh, a guy who came to the board game lounge described that his novel use for VR, because he has an early VR headset, is he uses it to get to sleep. Because between the headsets and... Oh, uh, <laughs> that's weird. Wait, wait for it, though. So uh, he has these big headphones and he puts on like a beach or something and it's like... Uh, soporific it's soporific you're lapping waves and you're not you know for whatever reason it's almost like being in a womb maybe I don't know um, but he stopped doing this because at one point he woke up at 3 or 4am uh, the headset's still on still running and thought he had died <laughs> Yeah, because he couldn't find his hands. He couldn't find his hands. He couldn't. He's like looking around. He, he like he's not. He's he didn't not have a body. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you almost shouldn't laugh, but it's the no, funniest you, story. You absolutely. That's so good. You have to laugh. I remember oh, when no. you told me that at a party quite late at night, and I just lost it for quite. A while. I lost it when I heard it in the board game lounge. <laughs> oh man, I'm losing it now. Uh, it's so good. Um, what else have we got? I also love the fact that they found that for lots of people, like there's all these tiny tricks they need to do in VR to stop people from feeling quite immediately ill yeah I had a I, I went to the Oculus launch games showcase and I played 10 games for a half hour each for 5 hours oh my god really and I felt like shit yeah for, <laughs> for like a good 24 hours afterwards welcome I felt, to the future I really it's nauseating like it. yeah that, that was actually our biggest performing article of all of GDC apart from the PS4 scoop was me saying I felt like shit after all day of VR <laughs> and, but I think it's just you know I've, I've never done that before and I'm sure over time it will be easier but well, will it though I mean have you, have you heard any of the stuff about um, I, I actually haven't read anything online about this but um, people I know who work in VR saying like it affects women so much worse than yeah, men yeah I, I have heard this I've not heard why which makes me think that maybe it's bullshit I know I, I think there is there is um, it's something to do like something to do with the inner ear it is something to do with biology yeah. but I know people who <laughs> actually work in development in VR who yeah. say yeah it is purely a consequence well that, that would make a lot of sense because the thing is that you know inevitably in the tech industry and in the games industry the first people to try stuff out are almost always entirely men almost always entirely men and, and the first if, people making the tech are men yeah, these so problems if, don't surface for a long precisely, time precisely so if there's an app or a piece of tech or a piece of hardware like this and it has a problem that's unique to women for instance you have an app where you can rate your friends and then women start using uh, it yes. and they're like, um, <laughs> we have severe personal safety concerns and it's of course not occurred to the developers yeah. or the early beta testers because they're dudes. And I think similarly with VR, if there is a physiological issue that makes it more difficult for women, that's not going to surface. Well, also it's like, it's the thing is, it's like, it's such fine tuning, such crazy, it is oh, yeah, so almost rocket like science. Like you were saying. That, that all it takes is a tiny, a tiny thing like that, a tiny physiological difference. It doesn't need to be much, like something in the ear or whatever. And it might just throw all the calculations. Were you going to give any other examples? Yeah, well, they've been saying like a lot of the stuff they found early on is like um, having these tiny cubes constantly in your vision, almost like you can't even really see them. But by having tiny 3D cubes 
floating around just in the player's vision. It's enough for the brain to lock onto them as, as points of interest. Yeah, there's, there's a button. I played Adrift, which is um, Adam Orth's game about being stuck in an exploded spaceship, which is so oh, unpleasant. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, it's like it. gravity, that, which is weird. It's like, yeah, it's like the opening scene of Gravity. Like, that's stressful enough to watch. I've heard lots of people say they couldn't do that. I, I, you know, I, I felt like vomiting immediately. I managed to kind of get through it. But the, the thing is, they ha- he has a button in that game you hold the button and your vision just becomes like a small circle in the middle of the screen and you focus on that for a bit and then it kind of resets your I thought no, it was just like, it was just intense too no, much it's, it's horrible like, the thing is, is like you, your body is the, the problem with VR at the moment and maybe this will fade as we get used to it so you know, I'm not going to write it right off on immediately but the problem with VR is that your body is telling you I'm in immense and present danger. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're whole, like, you, you're, I looked at my, I had a Fitbit tracker on <coughs> while I was playing VR for the whole day and my heart rate was over 100 the whole time. And my, yeah. my resting heart rate is like 58 and it was at 100 the whole time I was in VR and when I was doing the gravity scene it was, it was at 110, 120. Right, it, it was, was, like, it was 100 was even during some of the Mossadite demos. Yeah, oh. just because my body was like, like my body was kind of coursing me with like for instance, in almost all of the demos you are in a situation in which you're in danger because that's how games work. Like you're, yep. you're in danger, you're shooting. But how games work game. now. Yeah, the thing I was, I was, sedate experiences are going to become much more of a thing. In that's VR. what I was saying. Like, I was talking to Ollie Welsh and uh, Chris Pratt about this when we were on the Eurogame podcast and I hadn't really tried a lot of VR at this point but the one thing I couldn't get my head around was it's like, it's just too intense. Like, and, and it is people too, keep, it's unpleasant. They're trying to make intense experiences and, and Ollie said again with the, with the drift, he because said that, that's what games have always done yeah, well. Yeah, a, a drift opens and you are floating in space surrounded with debris Surrounded by debris, with you're you're tethered to the space station by a loose cord. That's how the game opens, and you're like immediately. I was like, "This is awful." I yeah. <laughs> I mean, why would I want this? That's why I said it. I want just more I mean, chill games. It was quite impressive because I've never, to be fair, I've never played a game on a screen that's made me feel as like immediately terrified. I mean, it's it too quite much, intense, but I, I just don't want that. Like, I mean, that's why I, my idea this is, is like I, I, was I want a little gardening game. I want like uh, Animal Crossing where you go in every day and you have got a tiny little garden. You just water the plants. And I've got a thing. Oh, it's nice weather today. Got things for my Gear VR, which is basically the beach thing that you mentioned earlier. It's just a selection of nice places. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're on, the idea is if you're on your commute, obviously this is not socially acceptable now. But eventually, maybe if you're on your commute, you can just put it on the train and be like, I'm not on the train, I'm on a beach. You know that exists on uh, PSP, like Virtual Island and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it actually, um, Boku no Natsuyasume and a bunch of oh right, yeah, it's a whole genre. Yeah, it's a whole genre yeah. in Japan. It's just like commuting games that are just nice. Like Neko Atsume is another one. Basically, just nice things are happening, and you look at them. And yeah. Pretend you're not on the train. But you see, it's funny. Early when we were talking about uh, like inequality in San Francisco and and like inequality in general, and we're going to go, oh, we should talk about VR. It's like I think the two are kind of weirdly interlinked. Yeah, Maybe not that's, now. That's a good. That's a good um, observation. But it's this thing at the point where, like, obviously now it's very expensive, it's very heavy. But in a few years' time, like, if VR is this sort of like thing that people can properly escape into, then you know what? Governments and stuff are going to want there to be less inequality, so everyone could just buy one and just fuck off. Right? It's TV. Got, have, is that is the government yeah, dream? It's like TV, but. <laughs> So, like, have you guys seen VR porn? No. Oh, man, so, I've seen some of it. I wrote a feature on it for Gizmodo because every feature I've seen on VR porn is a dude talking about it. Uh-huh. And I was like, why the fuck are no like are women invited to the VR porn? <laughs> so the editor of Gizmodo was like, well, why don't you find out? So I went and bought a bunch of VR porn and then wrote a feature about it. That shit is terrifyingly good. Like really? The, yeah, to the point where I'm like, if I was, I was wondering, like, if is I was it a teenager, bad? No, well, I mean, some, the problem is some of the porn is. Bad. Yeah, you get good luck hiding a fucking HDCV from your dad. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that some of the porn is bad because the, the fact is most of the people who are doing VR porn right now are the very like Hollywood style big money porn companies, and the uh-huh. porn they make is not to my taste at all. It's like super gross and but it's like, like really it really it, and Hollywood-y it puts you in the room, so to speak. It's usually POV like point of view style. So right. essentially, you put the headset on and you are usually a built dude with a giant dick and you're <laughs> lying completely was that, was that disconcerting to you no I liked it I well like, this oh, is the oh, thing I, that, my head immediately went to it's let me be a lady well, like, this, this is it. it's very uh, interesting sure. stuff. like I mean if you're um, you, know, I, you know depending on your preferences it's, yeah, yeah. it's you know, very interesting to be put in a different body um, and most of it, there is some female POV stuff. You can read this feature on Gizmodo when it goes up if you're yeah, that interested, yeah. <laughs> listeners. Um, but yeah, so you're in the POV situation. Uh-huh. Um, but you, the thing, the weird thing is because it's VR, it tries to not move because if you move, if you move, so you're an entirely it's, static man. Completely, it's like it's like the sex scenes in Grand Theft Auto Five, in that you're completely static, just sitting there, and the women are performing <laughs> for you on you and all around you. And uh, so you can move your head, but nothing else. And it's kind of this weird situation of like weird. you're in a kind of rictus sex situation. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that doesn't what, sound what that found, hot. What I found really interesting was oh, with it kind of does. 
<laughs> with the mainstream stuff, um, like, you know, I'm not going to mention the brand names, but there's a particular brand that's all, and the women in those films are performing really well to the camera. Sure. Like, they're looking at you, they're talking to you, they're, like, in your face. quite disconcerting, actually. They're right up in your face, and they're really performing. But then when you switch to the female point of view from the same company, the dudes aren't performing. The dudes are just, like, looking at their own penises or, like, somewhere above your head. Or, like, and, you're, and the thing is, when you've got the headset on, the, the urge is for you to just be like, hello, like, <laughs> waving. Because they're just sort of looking at the wall or whatever because they're not used to having to perform because the, the focus on them in, in, uh. in their porn acting life, the focus is not on them, the focus is on the women and they're just there to be a stunt. Oh, basically. you got to give us a link when this article goes live so we can tweet it on the Cool It's Girls super account. interesting, in my humble opinion, but the gay stuff, the gay stuff is good. Because the guys, again, they're used to performing. Right, yeah. Um, so most currently, most of the female POV stuff is, like, funny. Like, it's rubbish. It's not even yeah. remotely arising. The male POV stuff with women is, like, a bit too kind of performative and gross for my taste. Um, but the gay stuff is super good. And the thing is, at the moment, the only people who can afford to do VR porn are the companies with the big budgets. Yeah. So when we get the more feminist, queer, smaller porn companies, when they can start affording to do it, it's going to be a lot better, like, you know, more, more you know... Fringe and more female-oriented stuff. Is that porn for the Vive? Yeah, Vive. Yeah, m- most of the companies have porn that you can download for your Oculus, Vive, or Gear VR. So, uh, for the people at home, the Vive is the uh, VR, which actually requires you to set up sensors, then you can walk around. Oh my god, there's nothing specifically for That's that. That's what I was that wondering. That would be crazy. Of just, I mean, <clears throat> who was it that you tweeted something along the lines of, like, basically being in the Eyes Wide Shut scene of wandering around. <laughs> oh my god. And not being able to do anything, <gasps> which is your Tom Cruise. I saw that film when I was way too young. I like I saw, I saw it on the TV when I was about 10 and wow. I had no idea what was I happening. swear if I saw that film now I mean it has to be I saw it like for the first time as I remember I it. saw it about three or four weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago <laughs> so right. the, thing, the, thing about, right. the thing about VR is I thought because when I when I first started using it, it was it was actually overwhelming. I was like, I feel uncomfortable and like weird. overwhelming. Like you were actually having well, or like it was uncomfortable to have an actor doing that. It, so it close felt to like you. Yeah, because they were right in your face and stuff. And I was like, it, it sounds it, intense. It, it is intense. And you, the thing is, you get used to it a little bit over time. The, after the for a third or fourth kind of thing you watch, you get kind of used to it. I'll be a third and fourth. Full I'm not length. quite sure about this. I'm not sure about this yet. I'll, keep I'll going. watch another one. Well, yeah. I was doing it for a feature. Like if I hadn't been writing oh, about course. it. Hey, I tell you what, this is actually making use of one of uh, VR's downsides. This is turning a bug into a feature because you people a lot of people sweat when using VR, right? So now you're watching Pion, 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 Pion. Uh, and you're just uh, and you're Pion. just sort of sweating. You're getting your sweat on. Great stuff. Sorry, oh. keep going. But the, the, yeah, the the thing is, when I first put on, I found it so overwhelming that it freaked me out. And yeah. I thought, if I showed my 72-year-old mother internet porn, like normal internet porn, which to me is like not even a thing. Obviously. Probably wouldn't have a great night She'd in, would probably you? be like... <laughs> <laughs> but she'd probably be like, this is way too much. Yeah. I'm grossed out. What do you think she would do if, with the VR headset? Well, this is... Like, I wouldn't... Let's find out. We've got her here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be another feature for Gizmodo. I showed my 72-year-old mother a VR porn. Oh, dude, someone's going to do that, but it doesn't have to be you. No, I don't... No, my mother... No, I would never show my mother that filth. But on the subject, I was talking to uh, people about this with... Um, I, uh, it was talking to Bennett Foddy about it because Bennett Foddy, like king of really masochistic bullshit. Um, and he was saying that he was working on a VR game. Uh, and actually, before I finish this off, I'll mention that there's one bug that one uh, VR developer told us about. The interesting thing about being about developing for VR being that if there's something wrong with your game, usually you load up a build and it's like, oh, it's fucked. But with yeah. VR, you can get like bad things can happen. For example, this developer loaded up a build and uh, he's looking around, it's all fine. He looks left. Fine. Looks right. Fine. Looks up. His right eye moves up. His left eye stays still. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and then you try and link the eyes up again, and obviously that doesn't work. It's just it's immediate. Just like, instant vomit. So Bennett Foddy's that, game. That would also make your your brain would just be like. I'm oh no! The brain I'm is really like injured. the brain is like I'm dying. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's um, really horrible. Yeah. yeah. It's not just horrible. It's like you, you like illness follows. Mm. Um, but so Bennett Foddy's idea for a game is just a sort of game where you have to navigate an environment. Um, and the head sensor tracks all inputs except down, meaning if you have a look up, in order to lock your vision back on a sort of level plane, you need to look up, down, up, down, up to slowly work your vision up in a 360-degree circle. Oh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Projectile bomb. Uh, just bad. Just yeah. bad. Just bad. But yeah, no, a lot but, of this stuff... Jo- but to finish, sorry, to sorry, finish my thread, um, there's going to be a subculture now of just people as like... How long can you survive the vomit level? Yeah. And just imagine total masochism. Yeah. And it's going to be I, fascinating. I don't actually like VR very much at the moment. Like, I'm interested in it. And obviously, because of my job, I've 
played with it a bunch, but yeah. I think if I weren't worried, I'd be just, I just, I'm just not interested in it. I think, I, it's, it's, just about everyone seems to like the vibe, too, right? It's too intense for me, though. Five, feeble, feeble. It's, it's fun for 10 minutes, is the thing. Like, if given yeah. the choice between playing Adrift, which exists in VR and on a screen, much rather go for a screen every time. And I think the problem is I've, I've played with a lot of different VR things right now, and generally, if you could say to me tomorrow, you're never going to use a VR thing ever again, I'd be like, all right. I wouldn't mind that much. I think like the problem they've got at the moment, and this, I've said this on a few podcasts, but I think that the problem is that it's you've got lots of people who like playing games for like five ten minutes and then like having a break, and then you've got lots of people who have loads of money and are willing to invest hardware and are really up for this sort of heavy hardware. But I, I'm not sure where the middle point is because I really feel like the sorts of people who are going to invest a lot of money are going to want something they can sit and play for hours, whereas the sorts of people who are just happy with five ten minute bursts. Oh, I think, no. I think the, might... the real applications for VR that I can see um, and that kind of opened up to me when, when I first used an Oculus Touch controller thing, and they're, they're the controllers that they're they're two kind of balls like sphere things that are in your hands, kind of like a wee nunchuck. Hmm. And uh, but they sense where your fingers are, so you can grab things, hold things, point. Um, when wow. I tried that demo. And what I was, all I was doing was sitting in a room, like a normal, like Matrix-style room, with a bunch of stuff. And there was another person sitting opposite me who was in a different room, and we were just like chatting and picking things up and playing ping pong and throwing balls to each other. Oh, so it was like a, it was like sort of Skype, but it, it was Skype, but in a, in a, in a virtual space. That was when I thought this makes sense because I have a lot of friends who live in different countries, and the idea of you know in five or ten years being able to just be like, oh, shall we, you know, shall we, shall we vive? And being able to just put it on, and then just have a normal chat like he was sitting next to me, like like we are now. Mm. That brilliant. I do that all the time. But the idea of playing games in it, I'm still not. I'm just. I played two demos sure. on the the Vive and uh, Vive. I don't. I wish I did some sort of crib sheet for this. Well, um, I've been switching liberally between. Vive yeah, and you have. If you have, yeah. then we've got no hope. Yeah. Um. So I played two things. Um. And one of them really impressed me. The other one was just kind of a bit of fun. One of them was like a. Uh, I think it was called like End of Peer Games or something. It was like a peer thing, and it was basically like loads of little uh, like kind of peer style arcade machines like Whack a Mole and. Um, and throwing the basketball through the hoops. And it was kind of a fun little thing, but I found the interesting thing that happened to me immediately was the fact, because my brain was looking around the room, I really felt like I was in this large room on my own, left with these machines. And something about being left with these little, like, coin-operated machines on my own, with no one there, nothing watching me, made me just... it. Something about that, it felt real enough for my brain to just react in the way my brain always wants to react in that circumstance, which is to misbehave. Mm. So I then started, like, realising I was like, these tiny rubber balls from one of the games that you're supposed to fire up this shoot land them in holes I was like I started picking them up and throwing them through the holes of the whack-a-mole machine <laughs> and just being like picking up the basketballs and throwing them behind me and just letting them bounce around the room and just like I was like having way more fun just like fucking up with this stuff and just being like I'm going to cause trouble although it did mean I punched them in the back of the head because I didn't know they were there and this is like- <laughs> that's the other thing about VR is you don't like the other thing about VR porn as well like imagine your mum walking in on you with <laughs> not what that looks like or maybe it is there's an apocryphal story about that you just, just imagine that. like waking like you take you take the headset off and she's just put a fresh cup of tea for oh. you that is the story that everyone tells <laughs> the story of the gentleman yeah. with the headphones listening to an album alone in his room uh, and then he wakes up and there's a mug of tea there yeah but um he was wanking as well yeah, that's the key part of that yes. story <laughs> you, you miss otherwise that. it's just like I guess oh, that, thanks yeah. for tea <laughs> um but yeah that, so that was kind of fun um and i found it really the weird thing about that though is i got really into the, the final thing of the pyramid which was just one of those machines where you try and grab a toy oh, you know the, the grabber machine ufo catchers and it was equally fucking annoying <laughs> um, but because i was putting fake coins in the machine i kept doing it kept pressing the button and kept trying to get a fucking teddy bear for ages until eventually i got so angry that i got actually quite frustrated because then the natural thing i wanted to do was to grab the machine and shake it not with any hope of doing anything but just out of sheer frustration and as soon as i tried to grab it it just went eh, as if to go like you're out of the bounds of like you shouldn't be doing this sort of thing but i was like ah fuck you but the thing i went nuts for was called space pirate trainer and basically, it's a, it's a game which trains you to be a space pirate. And that was the first thing. I was, um, of course. Really? Yes. Yeah. But that Very was the well first thing as well. where I was like, actually, this is doing something which um, I've never seen a game be able to do. And it was mainly due to peripheral vision. The idea that both of your hands with the five controllers, you had these two guns. And um, you could like change what the guns were, like machine gun, submachine gun, pistol, by like flicking the little wheels around on the controller. It all felt very slick. But basically, it was these tiny little like Star Wars style drones almost that would fly around. 
and uh, they fly off to the left and the right. And you have this wonderful thing of being able to like, literally like, look as far left as you possibly can to like one corner of your eye and then look as far to the right as you possibly can. You're literally just checking the edges of your peripheral vision, like flicking back and left and right while you, you've got both your arms out like you're in equilibrium and you're mm. like basically correcting the shots. And when, you got, when I got to this moment where I was good at it and actually going left, right, left, right and like basically constantly shooting but just constantly making corrections so that I could hit both things and kill them both. And the fact that I could do that, I was like, wow, I've never played a game which has like allowed me to really feel like I was in the Matrix. And the thing is, I just went nuts. I started like, it has this wonderful thing where these robots fire a laser beam at you and when it's about to hit you, it slows down and the audio goes... Like, like super hot. Yeah. yeah. But then it means you see it coming towards you and then you can either just step out of the way. But obviously what I was doing was like lunging. I was like like doing some proper like Neo stuff of like ducking and lunging. And then as soon as, as soon as it went over my head... And as soon as the laser was gone and the speed jumped back, I was like jumped off my feet, firing with two hands, spinning around, doing some proper Devil May Cry shit. It was amazing. But I realised um, it actually gave me the same kind of joy that the Wii did and the Connect did with some games at first, of actually feeling like you're really into it. Yeah. But with the immersion as well, I was like, it's hot. But the thing I learned is that my legs are not VR ready um, because I got so excited that I was just pretending that I was Neo from The Matrix. But I'm not. And my legs really hurt for about yeah. for about forty eight hours. <laughs> I have to say, I've been really glad I've been going to the gym when yeah. I was playing. A, I was playing a game called Oh Dead and Buried, and it's like a gunslinger game where it's like a two v two shooter, right? And uh, so there's two of you on one team, two of the other, and you're on either sides of a big saloon, and you spawn just somewhere in the saloon and you're, you're probably near some cover and you have to run over to the cover and like dive behind it physically yeah. and then pop up and shoot. So I was like on the floor in real life, like yeah. leaning out from behind a pillar, just shooting like, and, uh, but you had to kind of duck up and down a lot. There was a lot of kind of standing squatting. on your haunches. Yeah. It's a lot of squatting. squatting. Squatting is it? Whole bunch of squatting. Squatting will kill you. But I think that's the thing that excites me most exercise. about VR. If they have loads of these games that are like specifically made to be like, well, technically, yeah, you're a cowboy or technically you're a space pirate, but basically it's like fitness. Like it's, that would yeah, be. Yeah, gonna be yeah, a yeah, the cool game. Sorry, sorry. No, I do, there's just going to be a, a whole like 10, 15 years where ev- all of us have swole thighs and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. but just the thighs. The other cool game I played was um, well, I played a few, but the the other coolest one was um, it was so imagine any kind of shmup. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, Ikaruga, whatever. Yeah, I've heard about this. But so. your actual hand is the ship. And you're in 3D space and you can move around the room. So to avoid the bullets, you're like moving your actual hand around into the spaces between the bullets and shooting. And you can kind of duck and sort of crawl and stand up on the other side and perspective shift. <laughs> so it's like, it's a shmup, but in proper... The idea of actually like, you know, the boss unleashes his super and to avoid it, you have to lie on the floor is awesome. I did do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like there, just there was, quickly scan like a, the room to find where the gap is. Yeah, it's like, right? where's the gap, where's the gap, where's the gap? It's almost like yeah. a hole in the wall, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the, gap, the gaps were, I mean, you had to kind of weave carefully around the gaps but I also noticed that if I just lay down on the floor I would miss all the bullets <laughs> so did I ever tell you about just the first... lie on the floor did, the I... Time. <laughs> did I tell you about the first time I ever tried Oculus Rift maybe not it was like four years ago and I was at EVE FanFest and um, it was EVE Valkyrie which is a cockpit uh-huh. dog fighting game in space and uh, so I was standing up and I was the first person in the room to try it it was the first time I'd ever it was an Oculus Rift DK1 I was so excited mm. first VR game I'd ever tried and uh, I was in front of a room full of people and they gave me the headset and strapped it on and everything and I was like fuck because it is amazing the first yeah. time you go into VR and um, the problem was I sort of looked around excitedly at the cockpit looked at the ship looked at space lo- lost my tiny mind then I looked down and in the game I was sitting and my legs were sat and so I looked down and then my brain my actual legs and my brain just went nope and I fell over <laughs> I was standing and my legs just couldn't understand what was happening wow. so I, I legs, my legs went out from under me I fell the, over in front of a room of people the story that was always getting passed around uh, at our convention or like stories were all to do with the walk oh god which yeah. was you do that one yeah, uh, the va- I couldn't do that when the guy had to hold my hand. Right, it's yes. based on the film, right, where he's walking across. Um, uh, I, physi- type- I physically couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah lots so of people said that. Yeah. I, this is, it's a VR representation of a tightrope walk between the two twin towers, except because that distance is like you know hundreds of feet. Was under you feet. only have to go a little bit. You only go like 20 feet and it turns you around. Um, but yeah, the guy, they have a wind machine blowing and yeah. the thing being like 20% of people... That was fucked up. I did that at GDC. I, I genuinely couldn't... Yeah, 20% of people can't even take the first step, which is interesting. And we had one of our volunteers at the board game lounge, uh, Ben... Took a few steps out, and he, you know, he, he was nervous. He describes, but he walked. And once he's walking along the the wire, they literally tape to the floor, yeah. So you can feel it with your toes. Once he was walking, he was actually completely fine. And then one of the devs goes, "Why don't you try looking down?" Yeah. And he looks down and just falls over. Yeah, a lot of people fell over playing that demo. Yeah. I had to get the the dev was a Kotaku fan, oddly enough, 
And uh, so I was standing there with it on, like looking at the. Because the thing is, once you start, you know in your brain that you're not it actually there. Yeah. But your body's just going, this is terribly dangerous. Stop. What are you doing? Moron, stop. Danger. Ah! And uh, so I was like standing at the edge of the wire and I physically couldn't. I couldn't make myself take a step. So the, the, the dev grabbed my hand in real world so I couldn't see. Yeah. Grabbed my hand and yanked me forward. And I genuinely thought I was going to die for, <laughs> for a few uh, seconds. Again, it's brains, eh? He was gentle. He didn't like, you know, yank me. But he, he gently pulled me forward. I mean, um, I think the exciting thing is apparently this year, like even though there's, there's tons of indie-based talks at GDC, it sounded like like indies were just going to the VR talks more than the that. The thing like, is, I was speaking to, um, what's his name? Shuhei Yoshida um, about PSVR. And he's like, it is so easy to persuade indies to make VR games because devs are always looking for new cool things to play with. Yeah, so yeah. indies, no problem. Try and persuade a large business or a publisher to make a VR well, it game. It was fascinating and you get how, like, you know, there was a, basically everyone was doing something a bit VR-y this mm. year. And I mean, it was fascinating walking past what Ubisoft had offered because it just looked like absolute shit. Like it looked like they the really. Was good. I mean, I don't know because I looked at that and it just looked pure. Connect. It does look rubbish, but it's great. Really? Because I heard it was really weird. The fact that you're basically you're you're not moving. You steer. But you're so this is an eagle game. Space. You're you're an eagle and you're in Paris and it's fifty years after humanity has died and it's full of animals and you fly with your head so you kind of tilt your head side to side and right. forward and back. And Into I it. really enjoyed it. It was great fun. It's like you have eagle death matches. Like I was playing. <laughs> I was playing Palmer Lucky actually in my team. And uh, so we had like eagle, and I was really into it, like because I've always fair enough. Well, who hasn't honest, wanted to be a bird? I've always wanted. I to be say a bird. this because every time I've tried anything Oculus based, where like I'm I'm physically moving and I'm not moving, and there's no. No, like, but you are moving with your head. No, I know, but still, so it feels like, like you're, the thing is. I've that, seen on the screen they're going pretty fast forward, yeah, like, yeah. and I I found even slight forward movement, like when I wasn't in a spaceship or something like that, when I was sitting still. I could not get used you to that. You should try it because I'd be interested to see because for me that was one of the ones that really, really worked. But the, the only problem with that is that I genuinely thought I could fly afterwards. That's fascinating. I like, oh. And I was like, I'm invincible. That's fascinating because I, I spoke to lo- I, I didn't check it out because I spoke to loads of people who said they tried it and said that like it just wasn't very good. Oh, see, I, I had a good half hour with it. So I Fair had, enough. I had time to kind of, the first few minutes I didn't know. Well, the other thing they done was they've done werewolf, but they've made it so it's basically yeah. werewolf. As a, but the, the, the weird thing about that was that. It's just like, why would you do that? I don't know. Like The other thing is that conventions, and you mentioned this earlier, but the problem is people take pictures of you all the time with VR headsets on without your permission or they take video of you so I ended up stopping doing the VR demos because like one too many times I'd just take it off and there'd be some dupe of the camera right in front of me who I hadn't known was there and that 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 was really it was really creepy I I didn't like that at all and during the bird one um, it was actually I asked someone to take video of that uh, but uh, you know they, they you showed me the video. You your arms for no reason. Well, no, but you you do this. You're doing these head movements, and you look like an absolute crazy person, <laughs> sort of tilting your head around with your m- mouth slightly. Fair open. play. Well, I, I take back my my outrage at Ubisoft. It is direction. good. I liked it, but you know. but uh, but I think I just found it really interesting. The fact there's like everyone, there's loads of different approaches. Yeah. Um, and I'm really I'm just interested to see what comes next because I think at the moment it's all been about like ramping it up and having these experiences. I know. But the problem the- is like that that bird game, for instance, is four v four, eight player, competitive multiplayer. Who the hell is going to know someone yeah, seven, yeah. seven... Who's going to know seven other people with VR? Right? Yeah, but who's going to know seven other people with VR? But you don't need to if there's matchmaking. Is it just me? Or, like, I thought... I think the PlayStation VR thing... I know it's cheapest, but it looks... It looks bad. Like, in terms of what the, the, what the set heads are. It sure I, sold out real quick. I know, but... I like it. I think the headset looks like... The best one for people glasses. Ah, uh, no, but I just... I mean, what it looks like. Because they've tried to make it look really futuristic. They all look dumb. No, but I like... Yeah, they all look really I like... Because the vibe looks like proper, like, cyberpunk. It doesn't... It looks horrible, but in a way, which looks, is like... It looks like Japanese VR, which is what it is. I suppose so. I suppose so. Yeah. The thing, that's pure taste. That's not even like... Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very much so. One puzzle that wasn't being discussed much that I do really like is the idea of um, multiplayer, uh, multiplayer VR, but not necessarily in the sense of... Uh, you know, oh, you and your friends playing online, but in, in the same room, right? When you only have one headset. And the one that I... Oh, PlayStation VR does that. Uh, There's a few really cool games. There. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Matt had one exceptionally, well, good idea to do with... Uh, we were demoing a game called Mysterium, which is essentially yeah. a, uh, a a sort of card game where... It's a, it's a board game. Oh, I played that. Yeah, you did, in fact. Yeah, I really said, fun. hey, play this for 10 minutes, and then you stay there for the if whole If you want to know about yeah. Mysterium, in fact, you can check it out on uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, right? Got, yeah, yeah. If you search... Uh, I really enjoyed it. You should buy yeah, it. So you start Shut Up and Sit Down Mysterium review, but basically, uh, it's a, a whole cooperative game, bunch of psychics living in a house. Uh, there's a ghost player who can't speak, and the ghosts give people dream cards to guide them towards murderers and suspects and stuff. So it's you going, I dreamt of whales flying through the sky. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. Um, but Matt had an idea of, like, hey, if we... Uh, if, if we do this in VR then you have one player who is just a medium 
and there are a lot of players standing around them, like trying to discuss what the hell they're, they're yeah, seeing. Yeah, so you're and seeing stuff. stuff and you're having to like that's convey them. Seeing super yeah, trippy, really weird, awful shit. Because that's in every horror movie ever. Um, yeah. But there was one uh, game, and I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but it was just, you know, that one scene from, oh God, is it Entrapment? Where Catherine Zeta Jones goes through the laser wire. Yeah. Oh, that now, sounds horrible. Well, so it's just a VR game of that. So one person puts on the headset and then climbs through all the lasers. Never has to guide them. Except, yeah. no, no, because they can see the lasers. The game for everyone else is you get to watch your friend doing the weirdest motions in the world in terms of like crouching and crawling and ducking and doing all the ridiculous Catherine Zeta-Jones movements <laughs> from that sequence. I think I've realised that what I don't like is VR games in which you can die. Like at all. In which you're in any danger. Mm-hmm. At that point I'm like nope, don't like it. I guess the, Too dangerous. the fascinating problem is really um, you, because you can't understand what it's like until you try it the only way that, that video games companies can convince people it's cool is by basically just showing them video games that are in VR and they're just using basically traditional video games but actually as soon as you get into it you, you want find, something else you go actually this is too intense this is too much you go wow this is amazing but like so I think it's one of those weird things where it might just be like having a brand new console generation, but in a weird way of, because we haven't had that for a while, of having that early wave of it being like the early stuff is just shit. Yeah. And then like, because they don't know what to do with it. And then once people have got it, but I don't know, I really don't know if it's going to take off or well, not. Well, I think it's going to be like smartphones, right? Like smartphones are, <clears throat> smartphones, you can play games on them, but they're not for games. Yeah. And I think with VR, that will be the thing. Like, it will be, you can play, you can play games on it if you want, but it'll be mostly. It'll for be my porn hat. Stuff. Yeah, porn, <laughs> porn hat. And Gee. social connection. Hey, do you know you can play video games on these porn hats? No way. Well, but see. I worry about, seriously though, I think if you'd shown me that VR porn when I was 14, I would not have left the house for like 18 months. Yeah. And I'm really worried that that's going to actually oh, happen. Oh, man. To but you know, I, I know. I, more than ever, I agree with you, but we have been mounting this argument against people who is like, oh, well, you know, these video games are very addictive. For our whole, you know, we've been... To be fair, though, internet porn did kind of fuck up our generation a little bit. Did it? I think so. I mean, it got mm. redressed, but we're much more visual than the pre-internet porn generation. We have different expectations. Some, some of it's been good, but some of it's also been bad. Like, oh, sure. So we're more sexually aware, but also our expectations as to what sex is are different? Yes. Yes. That's mm. the, in, a, in a nutshell, yeah. But, you know, as... I mean, this is this is something as, you know, as a woman of that generation who has had to in- interact with straight men. Right. Like, the, the differences are pretty large compared to yeah, the pre-porn, yeah. pre-video porn. And I think the VR porn generation, unfortunately, you're just going to have a bunch of teenage boys lying motionless. <laughs> Come on, then. This is how it works. Yeah. I, I lie, lie motionless here. and you, like... And then stuff happens. Do all the things. Where are all wow. the other women? There are usually more women than yeah. this. <laughs> but can you imagine how disappointing actual, like rubbish young teenager sex is going to be if you spent two years looking at VR pornography with yeah. professionals in it yeah yeah that's a good point because oh, that was already a problem with internet but we can't true. we can't fall into this trap we can't become the Ooh. every old generation know, ever that but, is but I, no queens we this, must I, <laughs> I mean I know it's our destiny the right? cycle must continue I feel like this is the first time I've ever really felt what my parents must have felt like though. sure but because you know, VR is so foreign to me and I'm, I'm keeping an open mind but I do, I do have serious reservations about its usefulness in society I mean it will have uses in society. It will also be deeply useless well, like for a lot internet. of ways. Well, yeah. I mean, the, if, if I feel like if anything was going to derail humanity, it was going to be the internet. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not apocalyptic about it. I'm just. I think there's going to be some problems that will be caused by VR that will be unique to the generation that grew up with it. Sure, but just like, and I also have some advantages. But too. just like us moving towards a digital society has caused people to value like objects and going outside in a yeah. weird way more than they did in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I think that, that, is that true, VR actually. is also going to cause people to value going outdoors and yeah. but do real think, sex do you not think we're actually going to have like a, almost a split society of people who you know are like realists versus VR you know the funny thing is this is just my science but I mean people, those people already exist on the internet right people who just exist on the internet that's uh, again. True. and um, people who refuse to people who are just like I don't need social media or anything, anything like that. that's very true you but know, in VR that's going to be a much starker contrast the funny thing is Maybe. 10 years ago I would have been like no Keza no that's ridiculous that's too cyberpunk but now everything is so cyberpunk oh my god the world's so dystopian right now yeah it's been well San Francisco with the VR taking us back full circle yeah, yeah San Francisco with the people walking around outside who are in desperate need of health care again the reason we were at San, San Francisco and GDC was we were there for Shut Up and Sit Down to which show is off, a physical which is physical game. Game. and it felt this year was busier than last year by quite a Market. It was. And I really feel like one of the reasons that but we're at the moment, you know, board games are seeing this massive resurgence across the world. They're getting really popular again. And I think it is because it's almost self-medicating. It's the fact that people know, they might not know this explicitly, but everyone knows they spend too much time just with screens and not enough time with people. Yeah. I mean, I I, there's certainly been know, a backlash. There's certainly been a backlash for, I mean, certainly as I was a you know digital native teenager, I spent all my time on the internet. 
constantly. Yeah. And, and when I turned about 22, I sort of started being like... Mm. You know what's funny? Yeah, the, the three of us actually all, like, as we, you know, sort of approach, like, mid to late 20s, suddenly started caring a lot more about going outside, about physical stuff, about... It's true, like, yeah. I still love video games, but what do I do in my spare time? I like playing board games. I like cooking. I like, it's all these things of being, I do, like... like, exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I do everything. I think it's... I honestly think it's, as you say, like, yeah. we are just getting further and further this stuff, and VR is the next step to that. But I think I think most people, there will always be extremities, but I think most people automatically counter it and automatically balance out their life and just spend more time like purposefully not doing so I think what we'll see is that VR will become popular but then probably also will be a trend of people just like purposefully not looking at their phone that's for a long very, time that's very very interesting I wonder how this is going to pan out it'll be interesting to watch won't it yeah people will start doing mega sports <laughs> which is like sports but you're twice as outside <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but it's going to be interesting uh, anyway it's just nudity right yeah, it's being just, twice as outside. Twice as outside. Like a euphemism yeah. for being completely <laughs> yeah. naked. I'm twice as outside. Now I've taken off clothes. I like that. It's good. Thank Sorry. you very much for listening. To yeah, thank you very much. This has been an episode where we've basically just talked about uh, GDC and VR. That's hey, fine. This has been a very interesting conversation. This has though. been a really great podcast. And hey, you know what, people at home, if you want to support this podcast, if you might have noticed, there's no adverts. There will never be any adverts. Because we're entirely a Patreon supported podcast. Yeah. It's true. I was part of CoolGhost.net, so you can go to patreon.com forward slash CoolGhost. But just pop over to CoolGhost.net. Pop over to CoolGhost.net. I got it right the second time. And uh, just say hello. Um, there will be If you're watching this on YouTube, there'll be a link in the description which will take you to the conversation thread on the website so you can talk about um, these things. Obviously, let's keep it a I bit. I bet we're going to really get a really good discussion to keep it a podcast. bit light on the porn discussions. But uh, yeah. Pop over, say hello. Porn, 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 porn. That's fine. Porn, That's porn, fine. Porn. Let's just not get into too much detail. Have you seen? Did you see the Kickstarter for the device, which is just like uh, it looks like a car engine, but you put your penis in? Oh, it. the Robo Pussy. Yeah. Wow. Is that the name of it? No, that's just what I call it. Okay. Yeah. No, it had a classy name. <laughs> so they, they have one of the companies called Virtual Real Porn or whatever they're called. Uh, they, they have a they have special <laughs> devices where um, the device you basically link it up to the video in question. Yes. And it syncs up with the video. Yes. There's... So that what is happening in the video is what is happening to your dick. And then there's the whole subject of teledildonics, which That's we'll be it. talking about exclusively next week. <laughs> I am so glad I ticked the box that said this is an explicit podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, bye-bye iTunes. Yeah. You can do it individually per podcast. <laughs> oh, cool. But it's, it's mostly explicit, let's be honest. If you would also like to read a very interesting thing about video games, why don't you have a look at kotaku.co.uk? Which Absolutely. I edit, and I only put, well, I pretty much only put interesting things on it. Yeah, it's like a sort of, it's a more specialist stream of Kotaku where the better stuff is available. <laughs> right? Harsh. I mean, you, I thought that's what you were implying. I don't want, okay, wait, fine, fine, that's fine. Quinn it's said. just more UK oriented. I'm sorry, I'm a snob. I prefer kotaku.co.uk, and you should go because Keza does great work there. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast, and we will return probably just to talk about video games next week. Porn, porn, no. porn, porn. <laughs> no, no. Bye. Bye. Bye.